You were listening to episode 152 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and with no inflation deflation, find out who challenges the Z Fighters on this week's episode of the Game Deflators Z. Good stuff, man. Uh, so for anybody that's questioning why we have no inflation deflation challenge, we actually have this week uh, Kyle A. Bear, who is the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter and a whole bunch of other roles. We'll get into that in a bit uh, with the interview that we have here. Uh, but as always, let's get started with our current pickups and are currently playing. Ryan, I actually have stuff this week. Surprisingly Good. Hey, enough. hey. It's about time, John. Gosh, I mean, I know. who has a podcast talking about stuff we've recently played and picked up when generally we don't pick up and play things? Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree with you. Uh, so I finally got my copy of Monster Boy, the limited edition from oh, cool. uh, Limited Run. So I got two copies of that, one to sell, one to keep. Uh, I got a new commander deck. So I think it's like the Qualtrics something, Quantum Qualtrics, I think, from Strixhaven. Uh, so I picked that up. That was pretty cool. I got my copy of Ease 8 because they did a re-release, which was amazing. Uh, that oh, that's that. the one that you were telling me about, right? Yep. So yeah. I got that, finally came in. Uh, and then I actually went to do some garage sales, interestingly enough. And I picked up several games out there. Nothing super crazy, just uh, a few... 10 or $12 titles for the 360 and PS2. And I think I paid on average like two bucks a piece. Uh, so I got that. And then I have like the guitar or uh, what is it? Rock band setup, like the guitar and drums and all that. But the drums is missing like all the critical things like wiring and whatnot. So I'm going to actually piecemeal sell that online uh, just to make some money on that. It was like $10, dude. Like who turns down for $10, the microphone, the guitar, the drum, like setup piece for rock band and all that like it was a no-brainer for me to actually pick that up uh so i got that as well so i think all in all i spent like 21 dollars and came out with a crap ton of stuff which wasn't bad at all uh and yeah so that's that's what i got uh as far as what i am currently playing i actually didn't play any video games this week like at all so um instead i caught up on squid game which was oh, yeah. Oh, that was phenomenal. So good. Yeah, it was so good. So caught up on Squid Game, watch that. And I started watching Handmaid's Tale and now I've been like stuck. Like that's... Uh, I, I gave up on Handmaid's Tale uh, uh, a dude. long time ago. Bree really likes it. Uh, I can also say um, Midnight Mass. Quite good. Oh, is it? Mm -hmm. It's by the people that did uh, Haunting of Hill House. Mm -hmm. And I would say that it's it's close to the quality of the first season, much better than the second season. Gotcha. Yeah, that's totally good. different thing, but it really good. Great acting, too. Yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, I uh, haven't gotten to watch that one, but I've, I've heard about it. And um, it is on my list on Netflix, at least. I just haven't seen it. So we will see. But I'm oh, actually. Man. Oh, huh. sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. So Squid Game was, like I said, that was phenomenal. I love the plot twist in that, in that show uh, when all is said and done. And, you know, in a sense, it is a currently playing, right? I get to I get to watch people play some red light, green light. I Think about watch... how you would do better. Yeah, exactly. Think about how I would survive. Uh, so I did get to play something at least. And uh, Handmaid's Tale, I'm really enjoying so far. I think we're on episode five. So it's kind of picking up a bit. It's good stuff. Dude, there's like five seasons. I know. 
still good. You're nowhere close. Like any anything you're watching now doesn't even matter. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, dude. Like I've I've already like I've actually guessed a number of things that are going to happen. There's a lot of cliche components that show. So like I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to happen. And she's going to go to this person and then this person. Oh, this person is going to be an I. OK, that person's not. And like my wife's just looking at me like, really? Like just calling out all the plot points. <laughs> Have you seen this already? Like, right? No, but um, I'm enjoying it. How about yourself? Pickups? Uh, so just real quick, while we're talking about stuff we've been watching, I've been watching the weirdest thing. I started watching Cheers. Why? Because I want to be where everybody knows my name, John. That's why. I don't even get that joke, but I will assume it's from Cheers. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a great show. I, I'm digging it. If you like old classic timey shows it's a good one uh so anyways this week i picked up metroid dread and i've been playing that uh we'll talk about that in our first article so i'll end with that and kind of use it as a transition just giving you guys a heads up but what you're not playing is mario odyssey no definitely not i'm gonna use that as a uh uh november game this year okay we'll see we'll see if you finish it um so uh, I had some other pickups this week. Uh, I got a, I've got like five Gundam models I got to put together. I just got a high grade Gundam heavy arms. They're like putting this stuff out at Target. So I'll just like randomly go into like a Target somewhere and just get something if they got it. That's something that I want. So uh, my, my Target actually had, uh, what's it called? Um, what is that dang show? Evangelion. They had the mm-hmm. Evangelion card game. I didn't know. Right. They had one. I didn't know either. And it, it randomly was at my target. Unless it's like, like a vice wars. I got no idea. All I know is that they had it and I was shocked. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Continue, I've heard, uh, uh, I haven't heard of that one. Uh, so I, I got that. Um, I got another set booster box for Innistrad and I cracked that all open because John knew that I couldn't wait. <laughs> did you get a, did you get another meat hook masker? I did. I got a nice. second. They're going for like 40 bucks now. Yeah, I know. That's what I was talking about, like selling. And you were like, no, nah, just hang on to it. And I'm like, yeah, no, no, no. That one, I would say sell that one. Okay. So if I gave you one to sell, would you sell it for me? Yeah. Sweet. Okay. We'll do that. Just realize you're going to lose like 20% of Why? the value because card sale TCG, they take, a percent of the sale in general, and then you got to oh, ship yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, in... I'm just going to use that as like bankroll to buy other stuff that I want. True. I mean, if you sold it locally, like put it on Facebook in one of the groups, somebody would buy it from you for like 35 bucks real quick. Hmm. Okay. That's so just good. something to do. And you could likely meet at one of the shops and then take that cash and then flip it right off the bat. Well, yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah. So I was going to get those commander decks like we were talking about with the like credit card reward money I have coming in, but I'm really wanting to crack open a box of Innistrad. So dude, it's so cool. And like, I need to get some more clear sleeves. There's so many like double sided cards, which I love. And I mm-hmm. really, oh dude, I love, I want to buy a bunch of these. They got these like helper cards that you put in your deck in the place. as like just a placeholder. Mm-hmm. I just like that little shit. Nice. Uh, So I also, oh, I didn't add this to this week in terms of magic, but I also picked up some of the Eclipse sleeves, which I guess is made by, um, God, what's that company's name? Ultra Pro. 
So I think it's a, a subset of Ultra Pro sleeves, but basically it's uh, like a matte cover, like that matte style I like on the top of the card. So it's not that super glossy look. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the Eclipse sleeves are actually not bad in this few sets I bought. Pretty excited about them. Nice. So. Uh, I also had the ultimate pickup. I got adult braces. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks so bad. I had all that shit when I was a kid mm-hmm. <laughs> and now I've got it again. So I actually uh, if I sound weird. That's that's what I'm leaning on is the reason I actually cannot get the braces that you have now because I had that crown that was put in. Mm-hmm. So and because they did a root canal as well. So the only way for me to get like braces you have, they would have to take out my premolars, which means if that crown ever cracks down the road or anything happens with that, then I literally don't have two molars on the right side of my mouth. That would suck. It would suck. So I need to get the, uh, what is it, Invisalign. Mm. Or clear correct, I think, is the other thing that's called. Yeah, I'll be done by next Christmas. So look forward to a year of a this. Uh, so oh, anyways. You've only got them for a year? Yeah. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, I'll be done by, by next Christmas. I'll be good. So it's Metroid Dread. Metroid Dread. Um, I dig a good metroidvania we've talked about that i loved hollow knight uh i've played you know numerous other ones i i dig it and this one is pretty fun uh it's classic metroid you know you start off with nothing and then you slowly get everything that's this one's all about those robots that you see in all the advertising the emmys and the way they work is kind of like um a nemesis type enemy, uh, but they're only enclosed to certain transitional areas. And the way the map's broken up, you have several maps that you take like a, a load transportation, like an elevator or a train car or something in between those maps. Uh, within those maps, you'll find your normal, you know, Metroid map layout. And only certain sections in those maps are the areas where those robots are. Uh, They are invincible to you. You cannot kill them. Uh, If they try to attack you, though, you get two opportunities to, like, defend yourself and, like, counter them. And it stuns them for a moment. And then you can just get away. Um, And if you fail, they kill you. So usually they kill you. The timing's a little bit tough but it's not impossible by any means like if you were a better player than me you probably would never die to them uh shortly in uh spoiler i guess if you don't want to know anything about it um but you do get like a cloaking ability that allows you to hide from them better it makes getting around them pretty easy for the most part so the biggest conflict that I have about this is like your robot guide dude that you meet in not like the map room, but these like terminal rooms every so often, like every time he talks to you, he's like, Samus, these guys will totally like beat the shit out of you. Like, don't fight them, run or hide, but don't engage like every time. And it's like you get the ability to kill them, but only one at a time. So you can kill one and then you got to wait until you do another thing. And then eventually you get the ability to kill another one. And they're like, Oh, there's six of them. You know, they, they have different colors as you go through, but they're not like 
individually identified in any way. Um, the way you kill one is exactly the way that you kill the next one. And it gets less and less stressful. Like the first time you have so much room to do what you need to do. And then it seems like they're making that window go down. And I'm sure there's still room to change and do more going through. I, I've done like three of them so far. But it's just really kind of not that engaging. It's kind of like how they made uh, Lady Demetresque and that part of like the castle and stuff in Resident Evil 8 Village, like the main part of the promotional campaign. Mm -hmm. but it really was only like a portion of it and everything else around it is, you know, basic Metroid. Um, I can't say that, uh, you know, much negative about it. Like it controls great. You know, the power-ups are cool. The enemies are cool. Like fighting those things is cool. They're just not, they seem like they're going to be way more daunting and then kind of quickly, you're kind of just like, eh. and I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's stressful when you're like booking it, trying to get away. But once you kind of get more movement options, getting away and stuff, they really just, unless they're going to keep presenting them in larger ways of obstacles, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, I've definitely like missed some areas and like gone way further and then had to backtrack and find things. And that's been fun. I'm trying to like go through the map now as I'm playing to like, you know, make sure all the maps highlighted just to trigger that part of my brain that does that. But like I've gone into the same room like three times now and died after doing a bunch of that and not saving. So every time I'm going all the way through jumping in all the corners like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> just not saving before I die. So I, I don't know. I, I dig it. I like it. I don't know if it's like nine out of 10, maybe like an eight out of 10 so far. We'll oh, see man. if I beat it. Sh shots fired right there, man. For I sure. Mean, it shots looks, it looks super great. It's just like, so far I'm just not like, I don't know. I, I'm looking for a little bit more out of it, I guess. I, I so I guess. like, but I don't think there's anything wrong with being an eight out of 10. I think that's still tremendous. So like, you know, 4k, maybe increased frames per second. Is that kind of what you're wanting more of? Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe on a different platform altogether. Yeah, yeah maybe. So, uh, this week's articles, probably our best segue yet, Ryan. Uh, this week's articles, one of them is Nintendo Switch's exclusive Metroid Dread is already being emulated on the PC. Uh, this is Liam Doolin at Nintendo Life. And uh, before we get into this, our other articles that we're going to have are Apple making profits in video games uh, and it being more than Sony, Microsoft and Nintendo combined. Uh, and also PlayStation boss wants a change he's willing to not make. So there's uh, some interesting stuff here, but as we promised, Nintendo Life, first one here. Uh, so in general, yes, Metroid Dread is already being emulated on various PCs and such at 4K with increased frames per second. And to tell you the truth, man, I'm not surprised, but I am surprised as to how quickly this thing has been emulated, like pretty much at release. And what I'm thinking is that, you know, people already looking to emulate this game, there's obviously a craving for 4K on a switch 
and increase frames per second. And as much as those Nintendo fanboys out there think, hey, Nintendo doesn't need to do this. They have a great console as is. Would it honestly hurt? And would they be against a 4K console coming out? Well, so first off, also not surprised. I just assume that this always happens. Like, I just assume that every game that comes out is on PC and 4K the next day. Like, I just, I think there's people out there that get a kick out of that challenge and make it happen and don't have to pay for video games because they're smarter than me. So, you know, it, it, it definitely happens. Um, as far as all that other stuff you just said, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was like articles or something uh, this week or... Or like last or week. last week where they were talking about um, developers you know, more, having a 4K console. Yeah, like yeah. 11 developers confirmed and Zynga was the one that was like, yeah, we totally got one. And they were named in the article and then they were like, no, we don't. So, yeah, right. I mean, the... They don't anymore. Nintendo was like, Whoop, take that well, back And from. then it was like the Nintendo corporate Twitter account, not like the more customer facing one but the more like businessy facing one yeah they came out and was like no shareholders we're not tanking this middle gen kind of like we did the ds light and then we came out with the dsi like a year later yeah so let's not you know put it past nintendo to um say the oled or oled version is yeah, it's getting such good reviews too people love it people really like it and i was like uh... i like the white on it and i like the scratch resistant screen that they put on there too ah oh, just the well, more depth screen, of color like i'm playing metroid dread and it looks really good and i'm like oh but if it was like more crispy vivid like so, that would be sweet I didn't put it for this week, but I could have sworn I saw an article earlier that said that the dock, like somebody broke apart the dock for the, the OLED version, and they said that it's 4K capable on the OLED version based on what's in it. So, I mean, if it has an HDMI port, doesn't that mean it's 4K capable? No. Like it all runs through the same cords. Well, no, because I mean, a PlayStation 3 has a HDMI and it's not 4K capable. It's about yeah, what's because in of it. what's in it. Like there's nothing in the dock that does the stuff like the dock is just a box. Right? I don't know. Somebody I, I don't know. Some article I saw said that the dock was broken down to where I mean, they know more than I do for sure. If they're opening up electronics, they know more than I do. Yeah, I know. Like if, if it's beyond changing the batteries, I'm out. I mean, I can do some minor stuff, but yeah, I'm not sitting I still back. Need to switch those uh, switch Joy-Con thumbsticks that I bought. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's see if you actually uh, get those done correctly. Right. I'm gonna laugh if I've got four them. tries. You have no, really more like one try because if you break the controller initially. No, I've got four Joy Cons to try it on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So but I could screw up twice. Kind of. Yeah, you can screw up twice. Yeah. So I, I would suggest do your left Joy-Con, do your left Joy-Con, then do your right, and then start with another left on, as your third one. So if you really screwed up, at least a bare minimum, you'll have two practice Joy-Cons. All right. That's the way to do it. So, right? uh, But yeah, anything else on this? I mean, it's, it's not shocking. It really isn't. But uh, honestly, if, if we could get some Metroid on a Switch in 4K... Yeah nice and crispy, I would be super excited. Like, I want to play this one. I have not played it yet. 
at all. Like, I mean, no I demos, think we're no definitely going to see a 4K Switch. The one thing that I'm wondering is when Nintendo does come out with a 4K Switch, are they charging 10 bucks a game to up-res like they're doing for the PS5? Like, because basically, like, people are paying that extra $10 for, like, the PS5 leap so that they can get, like, the graphical bump. I know that this is not going to be the same graphical bump <laughs> by any stretch. It will be bare minimum 4K without, like, you know, all the other bells and whistles they're doing, mm-hmm. like, ray tracing and stuff. Like, they're definitely not going to have that on a 4K Switch. But, yeah. like... I mean, it's going to have to have like such a stronger battery and stuff too. Like they're really going to have to like up the price point. I don't think you're going to be able to manufacture it for that kind of price. Yeah. Well, who knows, man? Hopefully if I can get myself a PC GPU running 4K and I'm not saying I'm going to, but pretty sure at the end of this, they gave like a link on how to play it in 4K. So just going to say if you want to, click our article and for educational purposes, understand how this is all done. Uh, you're more than welcome to click the link via our page where we have all of the nice information on what the podcast episode is about on Podbean, podcast addicts, Spotify, Apple podcasts, etc. Uh, you can also find that link that we are talking about here on the game And of course you can find this episode uh, on our social media platforms at Facebook at the game deflators on Instagram at game deflators or at the game deflators and Twitter at game deflators. So lots, lots of places you can find this link. Uh, so we got a couple more articles here before we get into our interview. Uh, the next one is Apple made more profits in video games and Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo combined. Uh, this is Alex Gatewood at no techie. And uh, I don't think we've ever had an article by these guys. But I'll just be upfront that this uh, revenue line is from 2019. Uh, but it says that in 2019, Apple made $8.5 billion in revenue, uh, essentially from the 30% that they take from developers for being on their app store. Uh, and the reason I popped this article up this week is because there's all the stuff that had happened with Epic and I guess is continuing to happen with Epic and that whole court battle. And it's just interesting to see like from two years ago, I mean, Imagine last year what they were making. Yeah. So two, you know, with COVID and everything else. So uh, pre-COVID, they made $8.5 just off of 30%. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if they lost like a billion dollars from not having Fortnite on there alone. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but, dude, that's insane. That is an insane amount of money for a company that does not actually make their own games. Like, can you imagine Thank if Apple... God, though. But can you imagine if they were making no, their own games? No. Apple would make terrible shiny white games with no edges on them and they'd be awful every game would be like rolling a marble down a hallway of wood with 8.5 billion in revenue they could make they could buy like multiple bethesdas dude i don't want apple anywhere near a game there's a reason that they've never like done that like they hardly support like games on their like actual like computer hardware to a great extent i don't know if that's still true i don't know if that's like an old thing yeah but i don't know i, I that's don't that's always been my understanding of apple as not yeah. a pc player myself either so yeah i don't know i i think it sucks um that they get to make all that money for you know that and i mean the court agreed so they're not gonna be able to force that mandate anymore so that definitely is gonna go down i mean i don't know how many 
companies want to just keep it the way it is and maybe apple just lowers their bar you know well, if if you want to participate and use their service still or you know because i can't imagine all these companies i mean it's got to be worth it at some point to set up your own point of sale so that you can start making that money yeah, but all these companies don't necessarily have the ability to do so. I mean, think yeah. about some of those little like there's some portion of people that aren't going to want to know how to or won't think it'll be worth their time if they can get a better cut from Apple instead. Yeah, like if at the end of the day, the amount of time and energy that you're putting in to make your own point of sale system for your game. And this is me speaking on the side of not being a developer, obviously, but the amount of time that it would take to get that all in place and have to deal with bugs and all this other stuff that's tied to it. Is it just easier to have Apple manage it? Probably. Well, other way I'm pretty sure I've seen it before is pretty sure I've seen somebody promoting before like Hearthstone money, like before an expansion launch that you can buy like a set of money from Amazon as like an affiliate link for like a streamer or something mm -hmm. to, you know, you get like a better deal and your creator gets, you know, a cut of whatever that, you know, sales he helps drive there. But like you can go on amazon.com and buy Nintendo gift cards. Like, is that better or cheaper than just going on to the switch and just buying something with money? Like, I don't know if like they do deals where you get like, you know, three $10 cards for 25 bucks or something instead, but those are always like top selling items on there. Yeah. So, you know, like if you can start routing your money through other venues to get better deals into people's hands and get that money into, you know, the actual companies doing the work and take it the hell away from Apple, go for it. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I know you kind of like initially shunned it, but, you know, if Apple did start making their own games and had their own studios and such, would they see a decent chunk of profit? I mean, obviously, 8.5 billion is hundreds upon thousands of gaming applications that are on their app store. Like the, there's tons on there. So obviously they're taking a, you know, a cut of every single sale that happens. But I mean, like, is it even worth it to make their own games? The fact Probably that not. they made the iPhone, which is the platform that all of these games sprouted from, like, and they never even made their own game to go on it. Like, they didn't even build in, like, oh, well, let's put our own version of Snake on here. You know, like, they never even tried that after all this time. So that just shows, like, how little, I mean, on the iPad, they had, like, that shooter game where you could like move your, it was like asteroid kind of or something. I don't even know, dude, I haven't owned an iPhone for 13 years. No, like iPad, iPod. Like I have a really... iPod had like the game. Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah, dude. I remember playing mini golf on that bad boy. Yeah. So it's like beyond that, like, I don't know. It'd be like Nintendo made the Wii. They made the motion control thing happen. Like if they never made like Nintendo is just like, I don't know, we made motion control, but, you know, somebody else figure out what to put on it. Yeah, it would be that approach. Yeah. Well, 
Either way, this is, like I said, 2019 revenue. It'll be interesting to see 2020 as well as 2021 revenue. Uh, and then even 2022, once all of this court that'll stuff is more hopefully cleared up. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see for sure. Um, but as far as uh, games and their availability and, um, you know, people buying them and whatnot, the uh, PlayStation boss, <laughs> I know you're laughing, the PlayStation boss wants to make a change, but he's also not willing to make it. Uh, so this is Ethan Gack at this a, is a Kotaku. longer article. Yeah, a little. Yeah, this is a much let longer me, article. Let, let me summarize here, John. All right, go ahead. So uh, in this interview, uh, big boss. Jim Ryan. Jim Ryan. Yeah. He's talking about how successful and great you know, those main driving games that bring people to PlayStation, you know, your Ghost of Tsushima your Last of Us, those those types of titles and how great it would be for more people to have access to those things. Like, even though gaming now has a larger revenue share than any other media, the amount of people with access to that media is much smaller. Like, 100 million people haven't played God of War, you know? So how do you bridge that gap? Well, the reason that he uh, is not willing to make the change, as the article implies, is because all the way you can access this is through a $500 PS5, if you can manage it, to not buy it from a scalper. Like, that's your ticket in. You, you got to do that to come to the rodeo. So, you know, they talk about how over time, you know, trying to build these up would be through like other platforms like streaming and stuff like that, which, you know, PlayStation now is a thing. It's not a super successful thing. Well, that's and on Sony. Yeah, the the availability for the hardware just isn't there. And I mean, a lot of that isn't Sony's fault. They would be making and selling more PS5s if they could. But, you know, it's one thing to talk about you know, tripling your access for users, but not willing to make the accommodations that really make like the reason music and movies are accessible is because you don't need $500 system to do it. I mean, most people have over a $500 system to do those things because you do it mostly through your phone or TV, but yeah, you know, well, folks, Ryan stole all of my notes in opening that up. I thank you for that, Ryan. Uh, let, let me see if I can continue the conversation here with you. Uh, so he does talk about, you know, obviously the caliber of movies and music and the games in a sense should be enjoyed by millions as well in that same manner. Right. And to your point, uh, you know, you don't have to spend $500 for entry point into going to see a movie and you don't have to spend that much money for entry point into going to listen to music because you've got things like Spotify and you have Netflix and all these other aspects that are out there and ways to, uh, to jump on. And so I really do think that, you know, Sony is, you know, this is kind of contradictory, right? He definitely is like, Hey, I think that our games are art and people like millions of people should enjoy it, but he's not going out and, and making, and they're not really as a company making this widely available. And the way to do that is through PlayStation now, or it is through putting Sony studios on PC and, and making that widely available. Doesn't sound like they're anywhere close to doing that though. And it kind of bugs me in a sense, like why even have this conversation? Why do this keynote at a conference? If you're going to make statements about 
how you want your games and such to be widely available, but then you're not making them widely available. Like, is this a, is this like kind of a, a pitch to say, Hey, we want to do this, but we can't because we only have it on a console. So you should buy that console. Like what the hell is he even trying to do here? Yeah. I mean, I guess as the leader, you want to express lofty goals, but, but if you have no intention of meeting those goals, why would you even make a statement on it? Like it's, it baffles. I don't me. know. You'd have to ask him. I, maybe you know what? We need to get Jim Ryan on here after Kyle. We get Jim Ryan, and step he's going to be on the pod. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, it's not a step up. It's not a step up. Kyle's done a. Maybe he can introduce us. Maybe Kyle knows. Yeah, yeah maybe Kyle knows Jim Ryan. <laughs> so we'll have to uh, ask him. There was a quote that, or a tweet that was quoted in here that I want to read off. That I think a lot of uh, players out there probably feel this way too. Uh I want shorter games with worse graphics made by people who are paid more to work less. And I'm not kidding. So this Nintendo uh, fan bite media's Jordan Mallory tweeted this in June, 2020. I mean, the PlayStation brand now, like we've talked about this in the past too, but like these big, you know, huge shiny releases that are like the pinnacle of why you play on PlayStation. Those are fantastic. But like PlayStation has had so many games that aren't just the best. He's always talking about the best games. Nobody remembers the okay games. Lots of people remember lots of games that are okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with a good okay game that's you know a $40 release and it lasts like 15 to 20 hours. Like that's cool. Nobody's got a problem with that. Like there's definitely room for both things out there. And I think PlayStation, you know, if they want to get more accessibility, they want to get more people playing games, you know, there's a way to do it there too. You know, things that are more accessible, things that like not, not everybody's going to go play Assassin's Creed Valhalla for the first time and like it if you're new to games, because yeah. it's so much, it's so much to ask of you for your first game to do like 80 hours of being a Viking. It's a lot of Vikinging to do a lot of Viking. You know, I do find it interesting though. That quote is pretty much Nintendo's model. Shorter games, worse graphics and made by people who get paid more and work less. I mean, isn't that Nintendo? I don't know. You never hear about crunch out of Nintendo, but I mean, the Japanese work mentality is already just super hard anyways. Yeah to think you want to go there <laughs> although i'm sure korea is now the the new japan for you guys over that household <laughs> the way everything's going well um i don't have much else on this one it's just like i said very contradictory article it'll be interesting to see if sony continues to put uh P- games on the pc as they've done with uh several titles so far uh on the pc um but without further ado i guess we should uh jump into our interview with Kyle Hebert. So for all of our uh, friends out there on the internet, we have Kyle Hebert with us today for an interview. Kyle is a voice actor of over 20 years. Uh, He is known for voicing some of the iconic roles, including Ryu at Street Fighter, the adult Gohan, the narrator of Dragon Ball Z, Kiba and Naruto, and of course, who can forget, the pub patron of Nino Kuni. Hey, uh, Kyle, I worked, I worked hard on that one. Yeah, that was a tough one, I'm sure. Uh, Kyle, I'm pretty sure we've left off hundreds of roles uh, that you have been a part of. Uh, but can you give us a little bit more about yourself? 
Yeah, sure. Uh, let's see. I'm a 52 year old with a 15 year old fanboy trapped inside. Uh, just all about pop culture, geek culture, tech, you know, all sorts of, uh, fun little toys. I love smartphones. I love social media. I love video games, even though I'm terrible at them and I button mash all the time. Uh, I love radio. I love media, television, podcasting. I used to do a podcast. Now I'm back into it, doing a solo podcast now. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, just fully entrenched in the, in the world in which we live. And, uh, <clears throat> I enjoy it as a fan of, of, of those things and as someone working in the industry. So, uh, it's, it's cool to, to see both sides of things. And, uh, your podcast, what's uh, the name of that one that you're currently doing? The show I'm doing is a callback to my old radio show on Radio Disney called the Intergalactic Boombox. And the Intergalactic Boombox, while it sounds like it would be a music podcast, has nothing to do with music. It's just geek news with just me, myself, a solo podcast where I basically do the news and reviews about, uh, you know, pop culture things. But uh, the, the original angle I threw in there is because I'm a voice actor, I can throw in different voices. I don't do the, the copyright, you know, characters that I'm known for. I've created original ones that I also voice, but I edit them in such a way. So it sounds like I'm having a conversation, you know, and there's a little bit of overlap and, and all that stuff. So a lot of fun things like the intergalactic boombox. I pretend I'm in space on a spaceship. So I've got aliens on board that just sound like a couple of slacker stoner dudes. And I've got a, a conspiracy nut called Ken Spiracy. He calls in all the time and goes nuts. And I have a Karen whose name is Karen who calls in and complains, of course. Uh, and just whatever comes off the top of the top of my head when I see things are going crazy. So, uh, yeah, I've been having fun with that We're on episode 22 this week. I've been, posting them once a week and record during the week and edit and sticking up there and uh, also forwarding the uh, and a big uh, pundit for podcasting 2.0, which is this movement uh, to where we're uh, talking about new features on podcasts, new app developers throwing up apps with experimental things on there like images and chapters and the ability to stream micro payments of little bits of Bitcoin called Satoshis all in app to uh to do this value for value thing uh mm -hmm. you know it's kind of an answer to patreon or or a monthly subscription where you get to you get to say okay well i think you you gave me value i find this show or this point you made particularly interesting or entertaining boop i'm gonna send you x amount and again micro payments you know two thousand satoshis is like next to nothing a quarter maybe or something so it's it's just the idea the concept gets really exciting to to do all that. So that nice. all sounds amazing. I definitely want to check out your podcast and I definitely want to see how we get to uh 2.0. <laughs> yes, yes. Man, that would be cool if I can talk some podcasters into signing up for this stuff because it's free and it's uh it, it's a new way to interact with your audience and all sorts of stuff. It's really exciting. So uh everyone listening or watching this podcast right now, uh Hopefully you'll, you'll, you'll see and be able to uh, ingest this particular podcast in new and exciting ways. Yeah, uh, we'll have to chat on that one. Actually, I was at a conference recently. They were talking about uh, token currencies and such for podcasts yeah. and other types of uh, 
just other types of things in general, not even just podcasts. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's pretty cool to, to kind of hear you talk about it a week after I just heard some similar stuff. Going um, in there, the seeds are being planted. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they definitely are, man. Uh, so let's kick this off. We have a, the quick question, and we always have to ask this question. Uh, can you tell us a story behind how DJ Squeege, or just Squeege, of Radio mm-hmm. Disney ended up in the world of anime and video games? Well, starting off as a kid in the 70s, watching cartoons like Looney Tunes and everything and learning about Mel Blanc, the genius that voiced all those characters, he really brought them to life. And it that's what kind of uh, set me on course from being a child. Also fascinated by theater of the mind, like hearing people on the radio introducing records. You know, I'd listen to records on the turntable because CDs and the internet didn't exist yet or, you know, maybe cassettes, but... I was listening on turntable and I was taking a cassette recorder and playing DJ and doing silly voices and doing mock commercials and things like that. And it's like, I want to do this when I grow up. So what I ended up doing was getting a uh, a broadcast degree from the University of North Texas, right outside of Dallas in Denton, Texas, and uh, got an internship at a radio network. And that all uh, turned into an on-air job. Uh, voicing on various different music formats. Uh, I got the Squeege name back when I joined uh, a rock format called Z-Rock. I played hard rock, heavy metal, so I'm introducing Metallica and Slayer. And I'm doing all this wacky, crazy voices like uh, Robin Williams or Jim Carrey and I'm presenting just a nutty, nutty show with sound effects and, and music beds and, and all sorts of stuff. And uh, I came up with that concept of the intergalactic boombox, which is now resurrected as mm-hmm. the basis for the podcast. But um, I actually kind of segued over into voiceover, uh, working as an on-air DJ with Radio Disney. And some station co-workers were taking a tour of Funimation because at the time, Dragon Ball Z was the number one thing on Cartoon Network and the big it thing. So they were trying to close a deal on some promotions to give away merch. And uh, they, they learned because they were in Dallas. They still are to this day. And I was in Dallas at the time as well. This whole network thing that I was working in radio and uh, heard about auditions, went in, tried out for Dragon Ball Z. I got to read for Gohan, adult version of Gohan, who started in high school in the next story arc. And within two weeks of auditioning, I got called in to do bit part voices because you're, you're, you've got the lip sync thing going on. We got to make sure whoever you bring in that's never done it before can do it. And, um, I guess I fooled them enough, you know, having a drummer background, I played drums in high school and all that. I got a sense of rhythm and timing. So people with a musical background usually get the rhythm based thing. Beep, beep, beep. And on the fourth imaginary beep, that's where you start talking and you're watching and hoping that everything plays out the way you want it to on the lip sync. Yeah. And um, yeah, start with bit part voices. A couple months later, suddenly I'm voicing the adult son of the main character, Goku. So I'm like, what? It's crazy. A couple months after that, I try out for the narrator because their narrator um, uh, left for whatever reason. I forget why, but uh, they needed a narrator. They knew that I'd have wide range of voices in me. And it's like, oh my gosh. So suddenly I'm doing this monster truck tractor pull guy. <laughs> You're coming this Sunday, 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 yeah. next time on Dragon Ball Z. And suddenly I'm doing that. And then I go from attending conventions to being a guest at them. Like what? I start going around the country, around the world, seeing new places. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. 
and I'm having the time of my life because it's everything I wanted it to be and more, you know, getting to work in a world that I'm already a fan of and then doing, having that crossover into something that I can do and hopefully one day eventually make a living at, and I am now, but you know, then starting out in the two thousands and whatnot is just, uh, it's, it's exciting, exhilarating. And also, you know, like, Oh God, what do I do now? <laughs> <laughs> a podcast. <laughs> yeah. I, like, uh, where do you, where do you go? I mean, you're freelance, so you don't know where the next paycheck's coming from. And it's like, so when people say, Hey, what's your favorite role? I'll just say the next one, because you know, <laughs> you're hired in basic, essentially fired once they don't need you anymore. So, well, I'll hopefully get more auditions and hopefully they'll hire me on more stuff. Yeah, I well, mean, you must have been asked that question a million times, and that was actually what we were kind of wondering too. Like, what is like a favorite role of yours? And I mean, since we talk video games here mostly, like, do you have a specific video game role that you do that's like sure the tops? Sure, I I love being Ryu on Street Fighter. I know a lot of people call him Ryu, but when I got hired and tried out, and they gave me the role, they said, uh, you know, at Capcom, they said, okay, it's pronounced Ryu. I'm like, okay, you tell me it's pronounced any way you want. I'm here for you guys. <laughs> so yeah, getting to voice an iconic character in an iconic franchise, and it led to this bucket list thing I never thought I would get to be a part of, a Disney movie, because Wreck-It Ralph a movie uh, set in the video game world with cameos from actual, you know, current voiced characters. So Roger Craig Smith is Sonic and, uh, you know, Ruben Langdon is Ken and me is Ryu. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. So here I am geeking out, living in Burbank, California, where five, five minutes away is the Disney animation building where they recorded the voiceovers. And like, I'm geeking out. The director's geeking out because, oh, my God, the voice of Ryu's here. Like, no, oh, my God, I'm in Disney. Ah! So uh, it's just unreal getting to be a part of that without having to be a big movie star and a celeb, you know, because that's that's what happens with those big budget animated movies. They think that kids go watch this movie because of a celebrity. And it's like, well, you know, but uh they throw us a bone, you know, the additional voices get to come in. So that was just breathtaking to get to see the credits. And it's like, oh, I wasn't just additional voices. It's like Ryu, Kyle Hebert, like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is so cool. That's yeah, so it's awesome. pretty awesome. Uh, how does that work? Uh, I guess with uh, the inclusion into Super Smash Bros, uh, have you had to do anything with Nintendo or hey, just kind of pulled pre-recorded audio and just kind of plugged into game? How has that worked? They reached out uh to have a whole brand new recording session it was just a handful of lines and uh i went in and was done in no time and the nintendo people were freaking out that i was there <laughs> like <laughs> oh my god this is crazy it ended up being like an awesome birthday present they released that dlc for smash brothers with ryu on my birthday that year and you know i only recorded it like a month or two in advance and uh normally with games it could take up to a year or several years uh, but for that, it was a pretty quick turnaround. That's so, cool. uh, yeah, that was, that was pretty wild. Again, I'm a terrible gamer. I'm horrible at smash brothers, but I was super, super psyched that they brought in Ryu and, and it's like, okay, well, I guess that makes sense. You know, and then I guess the franchise. Yeah. Tail question of this too, before I jump into the next one we had, but, uh, I guess you do a lot of work obviously with the dragon ball Z games as well. Oh uh, yeah. What's the experience there, you know, and is there any crazy difference doing dragon ball Z, uh, recordings for video game versus the show itself? 
Sure. Uh, a lot of times with the video game, most of the stuff is recorded to match the timing of the Japanese audio more so than the visual element because the stuff is being animated still. Uh, but once in a while, there'll be something to where, you know, maybe some cut scenes are already kind of roughly finished and we try our best to, to match the lip flap to that. So that's where it's similar, but anime is totally locked in. You can't change the animation or any of that. So you're locked into a specific rhythm, uh, of the mouth flaps and how that goes out. Anime pays ridiculously little compared to video games and video games are easier to do, but pay way more. But the, another similar similarity with Dragon Ball Z and any fighting game or RPG with a lot of screaming, screaming, it'll just rip your throat out. You know, um, we'll, we'll do the conversational, the, the, you know, small stuff first and then get to the fighting sounds. And that could, you know, last from, you know, 10, 15 minutes, maybe less to hours of nothing but fight reactions. And you're sitting there depending on things like, uh, where's my Chinese cough syrup. I need my arsenal of, uh, uh, of <laughs> lozenges and hot tea and, uh, you know, just to make sure that you, your screaming doesn't totally kill your voice to where you're down for the day. And God forbid you have another session afterwards because you're, you're totally shot. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, the next question I had here is what is a character that you have always wanted to voice and why? So one that you've never voiced before, but you've always wanted to. I think it'd be cool, golly, to be anyone in the Batman universe. But okay. I say that with a, with a disclaimer that I want it to happen, but I don't because Kevin Conroy, man, that bar is so high. <laughs> I don't want to be compared. It's like, you're good, but it's like, oh man, you know? Yeah. So something like that, something in the, in the comic book world, which I've done a little bit I've done with Marvel's Marvel's uh, Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I got to be super scrawl and a couple of bit part voices on that. And Marvel pinball, it was Iron Man and Odin, but, um, yeah, some some superhero thing or Star Wars. My God, you know, Star Wars changed my life in 1977. That's for sure. So God, I could die happy. Just make me a stormtrooper who gets killed and you hear me just die. Like, <laughs> you know, hey, that's me. That's me. <laughs> I could die happy in that world. Nice. Ryan, um, you got the next one there. Yeah. So um I know you said that you uh, aren't great at games. I'm not known for being the great player on our podcast either. He's also known for not completing games on our podcast. Yeah, hey, I'm yeah. right there with you, man. Yes. There's nothing better than the next thing you're going to play. Even, yes, even if you yes. haven't finished the last one. You start and, you know, I remember before the digital download thing was a thing, you'd have a row of games still in shrink wrap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And then you'd start and then you're like, Ooh, shiny. And then you want the next <laughs> exactly. thing. Exactly. I never so, can keep up with the kids who just beat the game in less than 24 hours. And then they're onto the next thing. It's like, but I just started up. Okay. What's, what's like your go-to game or like franchise? Uh, I'm a big button masher daily player of zombie outbreak on call of duty. I love me some zombies. I was all about left for dead. Back in the day, Left 4 Dead 2. And I know Back 4 Blood is out, but I tried that beta and was just like, meh. Not the same? It's not the same. And I have it. I have the new one, Back 4 Blood, uh, the final version. I haven't 
played it yet, but I'm I'm kind of entrenched in the new season of Call of Duty. I uh, picked up the new Metroid and immediately oh, get yeah. stuck somewhere. <laughs> I get stuck. And I'm like, well, crap, I don't know what to do. Now I got to. But now we ha- at least we have YouTube playthroughs. So I, at least I have some sort of thing because back in the 90s or whatever, you'd be like, go to GameFacts.com yeah. and see if you can, you know. Dude, I still go to GameFacts. <laughs> right. I know. I've been okay. running through those tunnels, too. I'm, I'm not really sure where my next goal is either. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, I just got this. I just got WarioWare. I, like, I keep on buying these new games because it's a it's a tax write-off. You know, I stream. Mm-hmm. So like, it's like, well, it's for my business. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually in Wario. So um yeah i play for a little bit play on the stream and uh typically with the titles i'm not really playing them outside of the stream except for call of duty mostly what time do you usually stream i stream uh, so far tuesdays thursdays and sundays at 11 p.m eastern 8 p.m pacific on my channel gohan with your own bad self <laughs> i like that uh, you know, I was going to ask because you I was about to ask uh, about WarioWare and that you're in that, obviously. Um, what is it like playing some of these games and then obviously hearing your voice as these characters? I, I still nerd out. I think it's so cool to play something that's interactive. Uh, especially if you're a playable character. I mean, I tend to be in things that are in cutscenes. Like, you know, you can't play as Dr. Krigor or Dribble, but... Uh, you still see them. So it's kind of like unlocking your own work. <laughs> it's like, I got to play this game long enough to where I hear myself <laughs> and do all that. But, you know, on the other side, I'm a gamer. So I would probably play these titles anyway, you know, give a, especially any sort of party game. And so when I play a game online during my stream, and I say, like, eh, it's all right. And then I get people in the chat or whatever going, you know, it's probably better if you play with friends. <laughs> Isn't that always the case? <laughs> it is. Uh, so other than a podcast and assuming no NDAs are in place, what are you currently working on and where and when can we expect to hear your voice in an upcoming game or animated feature? Ooh, golly. I can't talk about anything until it's out there. But I basically work on all games and shows and live action dubs on Netflix. And uh, I, it, it, it sucks because we all want to just shout from the highest mountains, you know, what we're on. I mean, the latest thing to come out, I think, with my voice on it is the final story arc in The Seven Deadly Sins where I'm Escanor. Uh, so people can watch that and, and hear me uh, on there. Um Golly, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what has a release date soon. It's usually the problem I have is forgetting I've done something. And then suddenly on Twitter, people are, are tagging me going, great job on so-and-so. Like, oh, oh that yeah. came out? Yeah, and I'd imagine you because you're not really sure when it's coming versus when you're there. Yeah, not unless I really, really double down, take notes in my phone when I'm recording and assuming they don't give me some code name, like you're playing Super Envelope Umbrella Cucumber. I'm like, that's not the real name. <laughs> but if they do give me the real name, then I can look on GameStop and see a release date. I'm like, okay, roughly I can know when it's coming out. But there's things I work on that I had no idea I was on. Red Dead Redemption 2. I don't remember recording anything set in the Old West, but okay, I'll take it. I'm in the credits. Nice. Yeah. Um, 
So you mentioned a Netflix component, though. So English dubs on on those Netflix. How does that differ from the other part? Because, I mean, we've all seen English dubs of like Japanese films and stuff, live action films, and looks just don't match at all. So how does that process work? Well, there's a more concerted effort to make things fit at least the beginning and the ending, if not the internal uh, flaps. It's so difficult with human speech because the, the subtleties of the way the mouth moves and everything and something in one language may end in a consonant, but in, in another language ends in a vowel. So that's why there's this disconnect. And usually there's a script variance. You have to, you have to compensate for that difference. So if you watch something, say you put on squid game, which I'm not in, but you put on squid game, you put on the English track, but you put on subtitles too. Those rarely match up. Mm-hmm. And the reason is purely technical. They're not just saying, I'm going to change it because I can. It's like, well, no, the, the guy only took six flaps to say a whole paragraph. You know what I mean? And, and sometimes vice versa is the case. Um, so that's always a, a really, really thin thing to skate across because, yeah, usually when you're watching something that live action that is dubbed into English from another language, you can tell. And, you know, it, it's not the actor's fault. It's not the director's fault. It's not the writer's fault. It's just kind of the way it, you know, you, you do the best you can hope for the best. And exactly, us, exactly. Yeah. Us as a culture, it throws you off. You know, if it's off technically, even by a second, it's like, this is not lip synced right. But in Japan, for example, they dub their own things and it rarely syncs up, but they're mm-hmm. more performance oriented. So they make allowances for that. But uh, we definitely make a, a, a more clearer thing where with dubbing, instead of having a whole cast there, we have to do it one person at a time because of those technical constraints. I mean, I like I live my life with subtitles on now, like for everything. Sure. I just always have subtitles on and just I don't know when I change to it, but it's only strange when they're not on now. I'm like, wait, did I did I understand what they said? That's a habit that I got, I uh, got into because of my wife and it's like, why do you have subtitles on? It's like, well, in case I miss something that they don't enunciate clearly, then I can kind of just go back and say, Oh, that's what they're saying. Like, yeah, it just doesn't work for comedy. You got to turn it off for comedy. Kills the yeah. punchline. And once in a while, the line will be a spoiler. Yeah. It's like, Oh, that joke would have been so much funny. Had I not seen it coming? Cause I read the subtitle too fast. You're like, Oh, so yeah, I, I think we're making excuses for the fact that we're just older now. We just can't hear hey, as well. Old. Hey. So like what's uh what's next for you like professionally or personally? Like, do you have any like projects or things that you're working on? Like, I mean, you've got a big secret that you I mean you can't talk about, but you're excited for, or are you building a deck outside of your house? Like, what's going on? <laughs> I am uh I'm working on beep, and then beep, and then suddenly a huge roll as and then yeah i'm always excited to work because i'm still passionate about what i get to do for a living which doesn't feel like work but i've put in so much time and and mental you know you put blood sweat and tears and and your mental capacity is just gets blown all the time it's like you grow up with parents that are supportive or even ones that aren't supportive and they just look at you like you're crazy it's like why don't you just get a nine to five job it's like i couldn't imagine myself doing that I, I want to be creative. I want to be in the entertainment industry. I want to be an artist of some kind, uh, contributing entertainment because that's what I feel is the language I speak best. 
so I accept all the baggage that comes with that, all the frustration and not getting hired and, and uh, doubting yourself. And suddenly, when you least expect it, you get an email. Back in the day, you'd get a call. But nowadays, you get an email or a text message saying, hey, we need you on Tuesday at 9 a.m. Like, yes, I'm there. Yay, work. You know, if you can, if you can plan your week ahead out and say, okay, it's going to be okay. I got stuff coming. That's great. And if not, you use that time to better yourself. You know, hopefully you're, you're managing your funds and maybe you could put some into training in a class to catch up on the latest VO trends or uh, just making sure that you stay on top of your game. Nice. Uh, and so this last question, uh, before we close out, we asked this for all of our guests that we have, um, mm-hmm. do you have any words of advice for someone that's interested in going into your career path? Absolutely. D Bradley Baker is a very, very established cartoon voice actor, does a ton of creature noises. He's basically all the clones in star Wars, uh, right now. Uh, and he has a website called I want to be a voice And it always sounds like a joke, but it's legit. I want to be a voice actor.com. And what it does is break down what you need to do, which, you know, TLDR is get acting training first. It's not about doing impressions. You've got to be an actor first and foremost. You know, the guys who do the wacky voices, they'll hire the guys to do the wacky voices. But uh, you learn to hone yourself with your own signature sound, your own speaking voice first and foremost. And you're able to get to a point where you can lift the words off the page and make something come alive. Even if it's something dull, like, oh, I'm man A on a commercial. Well, the truth is commercials are the most popular form and most uh, plentiful form of voiceover. And you stand to make a lot of money if it's a, like, say, a union job and it airs during the Olympics or Super Bowl. You know, the, every time it airs, you're going to get a piece of that pie in, the, in terms of residuals. So you make record for $400, which is like, okay, that's cool. That sounds like a lot of money. And then suddenly a few months later, you get a residual check for $3,000. It's like, oh, and residuals are like Christmas. You never know when it's coming or how much it's going to be for. Um, so there's that. But I know that voice actors make it look easy. Like we just go up to a mic and start talking. That's not, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, you got to have some raw talent. You got to, and if you're curious about it, I encourage everyone, if even if you don't know you have the talent, just try it because, you know, otherwise you're going to regret and wonder what if, what if I took this path? Because you may go down an acting path and discover that you're more interested in audio production or directing or adaptation. You know, you're going to walk away with something positive, even if it doesn't end in the way that you thought it would. Definitely good words of advice. Yeah, that's appreciate great. that. Yeah. Uh, well, that's all the questions we have for you on this episode. We definitely appreciate you coming on. It's been fun and, uh, we hope you enjoyed it too. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Any, anything to help inspire the next generation of voice actors, especially now in the pandemic days where everyone's upgraded their home recording setups to broadcast quality. And, you know, basically what I'm doing most of the time is recording from my walk-in closet. It is doable. You don't have to drop 10 grand on equipment. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to keep doing what I can. And I'm so, so grateful uh, for the supportive uh, voice acting community. And first and foremost, the fans that, that make jobs like mine possible. 
Well, I mean, Ryan and I, I mean, I could speak for him on this. We grew up listening to you over the years and have always admired your work. And thank you. We're excited to have you on. Thank yeah, you. So look much, forward guys. to your next work, too. Awesome sauce. Well, sure. I'll tweet it from the highest mountains on at Kyle Bear on Twitter. Sounds good. We appreciate it. Uh, well, this has been episode 152 to Game Flavors podcast. We've been joined by Kyle Bear. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.